everyone, and welcome back. College Mascot Talk, a college football podcast. We finally got Bridge back in the house. He was gone all last week. Yeah, took a break. <laughs> it was a bad, bad week to take a break on. Bad week to take a break. Yeah, I know. It was sub- it was crazy, crazy finishes, crazy endings. Um, so let's just get right into it. We're going to start with the AP poll. Um so, Bridge, what are just some of your first couple of takeaways when you look at that that new top twenty five for week eight? Well, <clears throat> I guess a couple of things. I think that I would probably have Ohio State at one instead of Georgia. I think that um, just the way that I, I look at the AP poll on a week to week basis, and I. Don't know that Georgia and Oregon week one means as much now as it did then. Mostly because I think that one Bo Nix had a horrible game. Oregon, uh, they just they, they had some big turnovers and and things like that. Like I think if they played again today, that game will be completely different. Um, but having said that, like Ohio State hasn't struggled with anybody all year really. Uh, Georgia struggled two weeks in a row. And so I think that that's a little off. I think Tennessee's in a good spot at number three. I didn't, I, I kind of expected that flip. Um, yeah. With Tennessee and Alabama, I didn't think Alabama would drop that much. I mean, only lost by two points on the road. So, and yeah, Michigan dominant performance there at four. That's a good spot. I think Ole Miss is a little high at seven. I don't think that they've, really made a statement yet this year, whereas TCU and UCLA have both beat uh, ranked teams. They've both played really well. They're undefeated. They should both be ahead of Ole Miss. Um, Ole Miss is not the number seven ranked team. Like if you look at like Ole Miss and Alabama, there's a big difference. Ole Miss couldn't touch Alabama and they won't when they play. So yeah, kind of those things. I think NC State shouldn't be ranked anymore. Penn State should have dropped way lower. Uh, mm-hmm. the Penn State wouldn't beat Kansas State right now, and Illinois is undefeated, so Illinois should probably be ahead of Penn State. But, um, yeah, other than that, nothing crazy. It's just it'll start to work itself out, especially when the playoff committee will. will. Yeah, and um, one that I'm I'm a little concerned about is the North Carolina or the Carolina teams, North Carolina state and North Carolina, you know, North Carolina got beat by Notre Dame and got beat by quite a bit. And Notre Dame just lost to a really awful Stanford team. I mean, that was only Stanford's second win of the season. Um, I don't know why North Carolina is still ranked. I don't know why North Carolina state is still ranked. Um, North Carolina state got beat again. So it, it, those two teams I feel like need to be out. I don't really know who I'd replace. I wouldn't also wouldn't even be opposed to seeing Illinois a little bit higher, like 14 or 13 even, just because of how dominating um, of performances they've been having. They beat a really good Minnesota team who bridge me and you thought was easily going to win the West. And this week, Mo Ibrahim was healthy. He was a go, and Illinois did a great job of keeping him in check. And Illinois really, for the most part of that game, 
controlled the outcome from the beginning. And I'm really liking this Illinois team. And I definitely didn't see that coming into this season, but they've been playing great. I feel like Penn State, for how bad they got beat, and I mean, they Michigan beat them 41 to 17, but in all honesty, it should have been worse. Uh, Michigan dominated them. So I feel like Penn State, a little too high. I don't feel like they need to be, they should be ranked above Illinois or even Texas. So I was also um, a little interested that they have Oklahoma State ahead of USC. Yeah. Because they both lost to ranked teams. And I think USC would probably beat Oklahoma State. So I thought that was kind of interesting as well. Um, Because, yeah, Oklahoma State's okay. TCU made mm-hmm. a great comeback. If that game wouldn't have been at home, I think Oklahoma State still wins that. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I I totally totally agree there. Um, but let's let's just get right into it. So yeah, let's talk about that Oklahoma State TCU game. So that was a really really good game. Uh, if you guys didn't catch that, uh, Oklahoma State actually had the lead by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and TCU was able to score stop Oklahoma State, which they really hadn't been able to do all day and get the ball back, score again, and TCU ends up winning it in in overtime with a touchdown after Oklahoma State had to kick a field goal on their possession. So really good game for TCU. I felt like TCU actually might be a pretty legit team this year. And, um, you know, Max Duggan for another straight week played really good. Um, could have been a little bit more accurate with his passes. Could have had a little bit more completions, but never turned the ball over. And that's what you really want to do in these, you know, top top 10 matchup games when you're playing a really good ranked opponent uh, is turning the ball over. And, and um, you know, yardage-wise, TCU – uh, did really good on offense. I just Oklahoma State's a really good team, but Spencer Sanders didn't play the best. And I, from what I've seen from Oklahoma State is when Spencer Sanders doesn't play his best, that's when they're most vulnerable to losing. And so Spencer Sanders did have a a turnover in that game. So, but yeah, and it it took TCU a minute to get going too. They, it did. You know, if they could have had a complete. Yeah, well, let's look at it. Like the first half, uh, they they had to kick two field goals. If they could have punched those in, I mean, that would have been big. Because um, TCU started uh, the ball; they had the ball on like the thirty yard line or something, and they only got like one yard. And they had like a big punt return, got to the thirty yard line, and then. They only gained one yard and kicked a field goal. Man, if they could have put some of those drives together, like it, like I said, it just took them a minute to get going. In the second half, they, they did a lot better defensively than they did in the first half. But, you know, TCU had a fourth down conversion that they missed. They kicked three field goals. If they could have gotten the fourth down and they could have turned some of those field goals into touchdowns, it probably would have been a completely different game. Um, so, you know, TCU – uh, they did. They outplayed Oklahoma State. They're. I think TCU is a good team. They're. They have a really good running game. I've been impressed by how well or how well TCU has been able to run the ball this year, which is uh, 
you know, TCU is one of the teams that's been surprising. They started the season unranked and now they're number eight and undefeated, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to see teams do that, but they have another tough game this week against Kansas State. So, but TCU is a team that could win out. Like, they could go undefeated. They still have to beat, uh, I mean, their, their toughest test on the schedule is going to be Texas. Yeah. But it's a home, it's a, it, and it's in Austin. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, you know, that'll, that'll be a tough game. But TCU could win out. They're, they're, uh, their uh, college football playoff hopes are right in front of them. They just, and it's in their control. They went out there, they'll probably get in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So TCU is really in charge of their own destiny at this point, which is really cool. You know, speaking of it, that, you know, at the beginning of the season, nobody really had these hopes for them. So good for TCU. That was a great game. Uh, moving on, though, because we got a lot of big games to talk about. So we're just going to kind of keep it with the big games. Um, so the next big game that happened over the weekend was a battle of two top 10 teams, and that was Michigan versus Penn State. Now, if you, if any of you guys watched that game, that game was a complete domination from start to finish by Michigan. And running the ball, right, going into the game, Penn State had the fifth best rush defense, ranked number five in the country. They had only allowed 399 rushing yards total in their first five games leading up to this game. Well, Michigan ran the ball for 418 yards. I mean, just a complete domination. Donovan Edwards had over 100 yards, two touchdowns. Blake Corum had over 100 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, it was it was an annihilation. I kind of saw this coming, and and I wasn't necessarily too surprised because t- Penn State really hasn't played anybody good. I know a lot of people are saying that that game against Auburn in Jordan Hare Stadium was a really difficult one. No, it's not. Like Auburn's not a good team, right? So Michigan had 28 first downs to Penn State's 10. Uh, Michigan was 11 of 17 on third down conversions. Penn State was 4-12. I mean, just total yards, Michigan had 563 to Penn State's 268. Like it was just a, a beat down from the start. And and right now it's kind of looking like really the the two best teams in the Big Ten are Michigan and Ohio State and and really after this game it's it's not even close like Michigan and Ohio State are on another tier in the Big Ten and then you got everybody else like I I just I'm you know Penn State struggled last week against Northwestern seventeen to seven at home like it was Penn State. It really relies on that rushing attack. And when you take that away, like Michigan did, Penn State really wasn't able to do much. Well, they haven't played any teams that could even run the ball. That's kind of what's funny, like how that happens. You know, like mm-hmm. Penn State doesn't play anybody all year that can run the ball. Like, even like Auburn's probably the best team that they played that could have run the ball, and they only rushed it nine times. <laughs> with Tank Bixby, they ran the ball nine times for 40 yards. So it's like, okay, how, how good was that defense actually? Were they yeah. actually in a number five rushing defense? I think that's the biggest question because if they are, 
if they were the real number five best rush defense, then that means a lot more for Michigan's run offense than it would mean if we look at Penn State and say, okay, they really haven't played anybody. Where does that defense actually fall in line? Michigan, it sounded like they had a pretty good idea going into the game that they could run the ball pretty easy. Um, like uh, Joel Klatt was saying that uh, Jim Harbaugh told him that that they were going to expose kind of that Penn State front line for being soft pretty much, <laughs> like best way to put it. So, you know, it, I think that the my one of my bigger takeaways from that game was the fact that it's happened to Michigan a, a couple of times this year already where you can tell that they are the more dominant team on the field, but the score is still so close. I don't mm-hmm. know what is causing that. Like at halftime, like Michigan to even be ahead at halftime, they had to kick a field goal with two seconds left. Like, and it shouldn't have even been close. And it's happened yeah. a few times, you know, that, Against Indiana, that game should have never been close at all. Uh, Same thing with um, Iowa. You know, even if it's in Kinnick Stadium, Iowa's not a good team. So, like, but Michigan was clearly the more dominant, better team. But the score isn't exactly reflecting that both time. Obviously, in the second half, Michigan turned the gas on and completely extended that lead. But you know what I mean. Even at halftime, it's like sixteen fourteen when you've out gained that you've tripled the yards of the other team. It's like <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't only be ahead two points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I agree, and it's going to be really interesting, right? When we get that rematch in November with Ohio State and Michigan, I think that's going to be one of the best games of the year for sure. Um, but yeah, so Michigan looked dominate over dominant over Penn State. But Penn State really hasn't uh, played anybody else. So uh, good win for Michigan. Um, Moving on, we got Utah and USC. This game was really, really good. Um, Went down to the wire. Utah wins by one, 43 to 42. They actually got a touchdown with about 30, 40 seconds left. And instead of kicking the extra point, they actually went for two. Cam Rising ran the ball in, which was a great play call. I, I mean, I can totally see why Kyle Whittingham went for two right there because he had to probably have thought at some point USC's offense probably just could have kept scoring in overtime. So I think it was a smart move on Whittingham to, to really force USC to only score with 30 seconds left. And... Uh, great designed play, though. Cam Rising did a really good job of just tucking it and running it in. Um, USC kind of shot themselves in the foot that last, very last drive with, with only 30 seconds left. Um, they had that false start penalty that moved them back. They had um, a really just Caleb Williams just was running around and he wasted like 12 seconds on one of the plays that had nowhere to go from the beginning. He should have just threw that ball away. So USC just just couldn't get it done at the end. But throughout the whole game, USC was really able to move the ball all day long. Um, Utah really didn't hold their ground until the very end of the game, which is really when it mattered most. But, I mean, USC, 
was able to get 556 total yards. Like they were able to just throw it all over Utah. They were able to run it all over Utah. Like it was a really good game. Caleb Williams played really well. Um, Man, Utah Caleb Williams is so fun to watch. He is. He, I mean, there was like three plays. I think both, all three times it was like third and 15 plus. And there was nowhere to go with the ball. And he's just running in the back. It's like his backyard football with your friends. And he just throws a prayer. And somehow Mario Williams or Jordan Addison's wide freaking open. Like it was it was really fun to watch. Like USC is going to be a really good team. Um, but Utah and Cam Rising, I mean, Cam Rising was able to throw the ball for 424 yards. By the way, their tight end, Dalton Kincaid, had a heck of a game against USC. I mean, he, he caught, what was it, 10, 15, something? 16. 16 passes. Yeah, it was insane. Great game. I mean, it was just all the fireworks you could have hoped for. Um, I, I called that game, though, going into it. I said Utah was going to win. Utah is a great home field advantage. Um, I think Rice Eccles is underrated for how difficult it is for teams to win on the road in rice Eccles. um there's a statistic that since counting the usc game utah's 23 and one in their last 24 games at home so um good job by kyle winningham and and really it was just a fun game all around it was so close like back and forth the whole game and yeah kyle winningham is one of the most underrated coaches in college football. He's he's amazing. And to go for two in that situation, such a good call. You know, just you're at home. You know, you trust your players enough to just take the lead and, and win it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's awesome. I, I really love the call there. And, you know, going into the game, for sure a bad matchup for USC. USC's offense is is really good. The transfer portal offense, you know, they're they, they are good. And uh, like, I'll stick by Caleb Williams being probably the best player. Like, I think if, if Caleb Williams was at Alabama or Ohio State, a team like that that had a, a better defense and had a little bit more respect, I guess, because of the past few years. I think Caleb Williams would probably be the Heisman front runner just because he's that good. He's mm-hmm. really fun to watch and he he's good. He carried the team on his back that game. Um USC's defense, we've known that they're not very good all year, but tough environment to win in. And you know, Utah played really good. I especially offensively. They and Kincaid Wow, what a tight end. He had that one catch on the sideline that was – I don't even know how that back judge missed that call when he called it out of bounds the first time. Mm-hmm. It's not even close. The guy had like six inches between the back of his foot and the sideline. And he was right there. It was super funny because Kincaid landed on the sideline with the ball and just smiled at the ref and he was like pointing at him like, hey, you should have seen that. And then they – Went and did the review, and obviously he caught it, but what a catch, you know. But, yeah, Utah's offense is really good. I don't know anybody in the country that wants to say, hey, we want to play Cam Rising in that offense. 
defensively they're they're struggling this year, but um yeah, I I thought that was a good win for Utah and probably a good loss for USC. It's good to face some adversity and, yeah. and things like that, especially under first year of Lincoln Riley, you know. I I don't know a lot of people that thought that USC would actually go undefeated, so mm-hmm. but a good win. I like I, I think it, I thought going into the game it would probably be like a two touchdown win for Utah. And USC was up twenty eight fourteen pretty quick. Yeah, no, I mean, literally only lost by one point, right? And and that's a really hostile environment. And USC really hasn't faced any adversity all year. Like their toughest game besides this past one was against Wazoo at home last week. So, yeah, really good job by the Trojans. They're going to be really good in the next couple of years. Um, but, you know, kudos to Utah for, for pulling that for pulling that win out. Um, Last game of the day we want to talk about. Biggest game that happened this past weekend. I called it. I just want to be the first one on here. You guys all heard me on Thursday. I called Tennessee would win. That's what they did. I mean, it was a awesome, awesome game. Um, I mean, Tennessee, though, was up 28 to 10 at one point. Like, just dominating Alabama. And it really, really was a fun game to watch. Like if you like, if you like offensive fireworks and offense, it was it was one of the best games you could have watched because Jalen Hyatt is one of the best wide receivers in the country, and he was the top target from last year coming back, but he had been hurt all year leading up to this week, and so he finally gets in the game. I mean, he played a little bit at LSU last weekend, but this. This past Saturday was his go, and he had six catches for five touchdowns. There was every one of his catches was a touchdown besides one, and he had 207 yards receiving. I mean, it was insane. Hendon Hooker played outstanding. Um, But I'm also going to tip my hat to Bryce Young because that kid, just like... um, uh, Caleb Williams did with Utah. I mean, Bryce Young, it, there there were so many times where he should have been sacked. And I mean, he was back there for like 10 whole seconds and he somehow finds an open wide receiver or just someone streaking across the field. Like Bryce Young is the sole heart of that Alabama team this year. And really without him, we've seen what has happened, right? Like we saw what happened against A&M without Bryce Young. Like they almost lost against Texas A&M. Um, Man, I think he, Alabama. Alabama lucky they had Texas A and M that week. Yeah, and not Tennessee. If you, yeah, I mean, if Alabama would have played any kind of team that had an offense, they would have lost that week. Yeah, yeah, hands down. Uh, defensively, I'm very surprised with how exposed that defense has looked at times. It's it's been pretty impressive. I mean, we saw it against Texas. We just saw it against Tennessee. Uh, you know, even a little bit against Texas A&M. And Texas A&M is not, not good offensively. They're horrible offensively. And, mm-hmm. you know, even Texas A&M was able to do some things on offense that they hadn't even done all year. I mean, they they went what? into that game and they, they increased their average uh, yards per game when Texas A&M played Alabama. That's not... 
and Tennessee just did the same thing. Yeah. Tennessee yeah. increased the amount of yards per game they were having after playing Alabama. That never happens. Well, I mean, I'm just look at by that. I mean, the stats Tennessee's yards per pass play was 12.4. Like if 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 any of you guys watched the game, Hendon Hooker was just bombing it down the field, and Jalen Hyatt was literally beat his man every single time in one on one coverage. Like wide ten wide open. Tennessee had five hundred sixty seven yards of total offense. It was so close though because Bama had five hundred sixty nine. And if you're a Tennessee fan, you have to be careful because Georgia is a way better defensive team than Alabama is this year. And if your offense can't get going. Georgia's offense is just as good without as Alabama's because Georgia has a lot more weapons on offense. Just in general, they got a more balanced of an offense. Like Bryce Young is on another level of his own. But besides Bryce Young, Jameer Gibbs is really good. But then you don't really have a wide receiver. Like Georgia has Brock Bowers. They have um, Washington, their other big tight end. They got wide receivers. So if you're Tennessee, you got to start figuring out how to play defense because you're not going to be able to outscore everyone, and it might come back to bite you. Yeah, it's it's definitely unsustainable. They have the out of 131 teams, they have the 129th ranked uh, pass defense. Yeah, and. So and and I don't say that to take anything away from Bryce Young. He no, it it's got to be so hard to to take that guy down in the backfield. Man, he is just he's a magician back there. He's like Houdini. He just yeah, and he he makes it's so crazy to watch him. He has it so planned out in his head. He just knows exactly what he's gonna do. You know that play when he, I'm sure that. You, you can remember this play when he's rolling out, ends up going to his right, acts like he's going to sprint towards the sideline and then stops and just throws it to Caleb Burton. He had two wide open guys right next to each other. And, you know, like he perfectly planned that, like that stop just so that he could have time to, to step into that throw. Like, man, just crazy what he can do. He And you're, you nailed it on the money without Bryce Young. You know that team is not Struggling. nearly as good, and and I don't know why they're not utilizing Jameer Gibbs more. Every yeah. time that Jameer Gibbs has the ball, man, it is crazy what he does. He is so much faster than everybody else on the field. It's not even close, and he makes it look so easy. You've got to, if you're Alabama, you've got to find ways to like not put it all on Bryce Young's shoulders. And that's a tough kid, man. He's going off of shoulder injury and the amount of big shots that he took in that game, you know, yeah, pretty crazy. And he just bounced right up every time and just, he played his heart out, obviously. And you love to see that. That's why we love college football. You know, the yeah. players just play so hard and it, it yeah, but Bryce Young's a, he's a magician, man. That was just crazy to watch him play and carry that offense. I mean, he threw for over 400 yards, he sh- which he should have. I mean, like we're saying, Tennessee's def- their pass defense horrible. Yeah, and they it didn't help. They also had three starters out in their secondary. So, you know, for for Tennessee, you know, 
you've got to feel good that you, you won that game, especially missing those starters. But you're right. If they do play a team that can slow down that offense, then we, it's it's like Pitt. It's still the same Tennessee team that went to overtime against Pitt. Mm-hmm. And that Pittsburgh team's not the best. No. Like they're not even ranked now. They were then, but they're not now. So if you're Tennessee, you're happy that you got the win, but you've got to be a little bit concerned about the defense. We've yeah, seen Bama, teams try to have a really good offense and bad defense, and it never really works. Exactly, yeah. It, it has yet to be. I mean, just look at Oklahoma, right? Every year they made the college football playoff. They had an electric offense, whether it was with Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield. But their defense shot them in the foot once it got to towards the end of the season. And Alabama, I mean, they had 17 penalties, most in the Saban era, right? They had 14 against Texas and 17 against Tennessee for 130 yards. Like, I, I think there is a slight discipline issue. Like, they need to be way more disciplined. This is probably the most undisciplined Nick Saban team that I've ever seen. Like, Alabama normally rarely creates penalties for themselves. And just by the sheer volume of penalties this year has been, I mean, eye-opening. Although, I like, I still think Alabama is going to win out. There's nobody in their division that can even match up. Alabama, knowing Nick Saban, right, arguably greatest college football coach of all time, he's going to get them back on the track. He's going to get them more disciplined. Um, But Alabama just needs – I mean, they need to help out Bryce Young a little bit more. He's literally doing everything he possibly can. He had the game of his life, and they still lost, so – I mean, yeah, they, a, they have to. Alabama's in the same boat. They they have to figure out something defensively. The yeah. only two teams that they've played that had a decent offense, which are Texas and Tennessee, I guess better than decent, obviously. But compared to all the other teams that they play, mm-hmm. they haven't played any teams that really have that good of an offense besides Texas and Tennessee. And those are the two teams that really took it to them. So if you're Alabama, you're in the same boat as Tennessee. You know your offense is awesome, especially with Bryce Young playing. Uh, you know that you can beat anybody because of your offense. Your defense, mm-hmm. though, is the problem, and that's not very typical of Alabama, especially when you look at across the board. The talent that Alabama has defensively is just outrageous. You have so many good players on that, on that defense, um, and it's just crazy to me that they're – allowing uh like texas and tennessee to pretty much walk all over them mm-hmm. yeah it was the they'll definitely need some adjusting but they got a cupcake team this this upcoming week um all right so just just kind of one game real quick before we wrap up here one game that i kind of wanted to mention was that illinois Minnesota game. Um, just real quick, we don't have to go into much detail, but honestly, looking and evaluating what happened on Saturday, that's a really good Illinois team. And they're obviously right now number one in the Big Ten West. But I mean, they really, I mean, they have the possibility of going like 10 and two, nine and three this year. I mean, they're a really good team. And I don't even remember the last time that Illinois even had relevance like that. So, 
I mean, r- really, really impressed with Illinois, really impressed with Brett Billum and what he's doing um, with that program there. Yeah, I, I thought that win against Minnesota was was a really big win for that program. Even a couple of weeks ago, they beat Wisconsin, and mm-hmm. and that was a dominant performance, especially because it was in Madison. Um, and that's when they Wisconsin fired their head coach after that game. But mm-hmm. um, you know, it, yeah, this Illinois team they're they're getting better throughout the season. They you know, last week when they played Iowa, they struggled a little bit. They only they kicked three field goals. They couldn't do much offensively. And then Iowa is also just terrible offensively. So, but yeah, Illinois, they're, they're going to be a fun team to watch. I mean, they have Nebraska next week, which they, they should win. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have Michigan State the week after. So a couple of games that Illinois could win and then they play Purdue, which will be a tough game. But um, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think Illinois is a, a pretty solid team this year and uh, they're bowl eligible already six and one. So yeah. And yeah, like we already touched on, we thought that Minnesota was going to be the winner of the West and Illinois handled the pretty healthy Minnesota team. So that's, mm-hmm. That really surprised me. I thought Minnesota might might win that game, especially with Mo Ibrahim. But um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Illinois is a they'll be just another team that is is fun to watch this year, just because they're not normally one of those teams that we're talking about at this point of the season. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 going really good. But um, yeah, we we also got a couple of really good games uh this upcoming week but we'll we'll get to you guys on more about that on thursday we'll make our our picks but we're gonna see if um you know tennessee has tennessee martin this upcoming week so obviously easy win um but there's gonna be a couple good games coming up here uh pretty soon so looking forward to doing that but Thank you guys so much. We were talking a lot about hypotheticals. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We uh, we talked a lot lot of stuff play out, (laughs) and there could be some crazy endings to this season. Actually, like if if enough teams win out, there could be some chaos in the college football playoff committee. A lot of one loss teams and a lot of undefeated teams. Yeah, and everybody talks about two sec teams and i don't know if that's gonna happen this uh, yeah year. Have i don't a tough choice this year with i i, with, I don't which think sec team they end up taking i i think this is the year that we finally don't get a second sec team i really don't i think it's going to be whoever wins the championship because after that i mean yeah it's it's going to be crazy for sure but uh, thank you guys so Great much. Season for, so far, yeah, it it is, man. It's it's panning out to be to be great. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you tune in on Thursday. Me and Bridger are going to be making our picks for the upcoming weeks. This game, we've got a lot of good ones. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you Thursday.